Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 is our passage today. Let's read it. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that laid before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you uh, right now thankful that we have your word to guide us. And so God, I just pray in these moments as we look into it, God, that you would reveal to us what you're trying to communicate here. God, that you would encourage us, that you would speak to us, that we might listen and follow what you have for us. God, I pray that we would humbly approach your word not trying to make it say what we wanted to say, but rather we make it say what you intended to say. And that we leave this place submitting to that. God, we thank you for all that you give us and pray that our worship and our study is honoring and worthy of you today. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. So we're talking about running today. Uh, we already established there's not many runners in this room. But if you didn't know, when I was in high school, I ran cross country. The, does everyone know what cross country is? Okay, cool. So uh, if you don't know, cross country is a long distance race. It's five kilometers, which is about three miles. And when I was in you know, middle school, junior high, high school, it came time uh, for track season and they would assign what events everyone would run. And there's two kinds of people uh, in athletics. There's the clearly talented ones and there's the not so talented ones. That was me. I was firmly in this camp. I was not a fast runner by any means. So all of the, you know, 100 meter sprint, 200, 400 rallies, those went to the talented kids. They looked at me and they're like, we don't know what to do with you because you're not fast, but you can run a long way. So we'll just throw you on the long distance. No one wants to do it. So here you go. You got, I wasn't fast. I could just run a long way. I couldn't even run a long way fast. I was just, I could just run a long way. That was my one skill set. So they put me in cross country. And if you don't know much about cross country, uh, that event doesn't take place at the track. So all the other track events, like you go to, you know, the football stadium and you watch them run in circles, you know, all day. That wasn't us. Cross country, what they do is they load you on a bus and they take you out into the middle of nowhere and then just send you into the woods. Hopefully you come back. Okay, so that's what they would do. They would send us out in the woods to run three miles. Hopefully we came back. And what was interesting about this is that literally every single meet that we went to, the same thing would happen. You would have everyone gathered at the starting line. You'd have a hundred plus so people about to run this race and we're all sizing each other up and, you know, stretching and doing whatever. And we all get on the line and then they have the little gun that starts the race. And they would start the race and every single time there was about three or four guys who decided they wanted to compete against each other. Boom, sprint straight into the woods. And I'm just in there again, not fast. I can just run a long way. I'm just like, 
<laughs> see you later. Um, so they, within about 10 seconds, can't see them anymore. But every single meet, you know what happens? Maybe two minutes later, maybe four minutes later, maybe 10 minutes later. Sure enough, I'm just like the little like tortoise in the rabbit in the hair. Um, no, rabbit in the hair, tortoise in the hair. Um, I'm just a little tortoise running along. And sure enough, there's one of those guys that took off sprinting who's like... <sighs> Or on the ground, sometimes a medic would be sitting next to them. And these guys wore themselves out so much that they had to incredibly slow down their pace and go to the very back of the pack. And they were lucky to even finish the race at that point. Now, why did that happen to them? I believe that happens to them because they did not run the race that was set before them. Like if they were running a 100-meter sprint or a 200-meter sprint, then yes, it makes sense. Run as fast as you can for as long as you can because that uh, race is going to be over quick. But when you're running a 5K, three miles, the goal, your job is not to run as fast as you can. Your job is to run with endurance. And that's not what they did. And as we dig into today's passage it starts to dig into this point and tell us that this race that God has called us to run is not a quick, short, run and done kind of race. You're home by five. This is like a you know, like buckle up and settle in because we're going to be here a while kind of race. And if you don't know how to run with endurance in this race that Christ has set before us, then you are going to wear yourself out, fizzle out, and you're going to be lucky to complete the race at all. We're called to run with endurance. But we don't particularly do well with that, right? Like, like not even just in running, but like, like we don't particularly do well with perseverance. Like our culture isn't super inclined to that. Like, for example, how many of you have set New Year's resolutions or did set a New Year's resolution? See, y'all know. <laughs> y'all have learned, right? Studies show us that only about 12% of people who set a New Year's resolution actually complete the resolution, which is why a lot of us haven't even set it, because we know if I don't set the resolution, I can't be blamed when I don't keep it, right? We have a hard time committing and struggling, or uh, struggling through um, doing things long-term. And why? Because it's hard. Like, it's easy to do things for a day. It's easy to do things for a week. It's easy to do things for a month. What's hard is to do things for a lifetime. And that's exactly what this passage is calling us to do. And it's, calling, and it's, gonna, it's telling us right up front, this is going to be a long race, and it's going to be a difficult race. So if we pull up the uh, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1, right in the middle of this passage, there's this, there's this verse right here that's kind of the, the, the core of the passage. And it says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. If you don't know, uh, the word race there in the Greek is the word agon. And uh, the word agon means to struggle or to fight. It's where we get our word agony, which I think is fitting, right? It's like... We get our word agony from the concept of running a race, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah, if you get, sometimes I'm winded from just getting up and going to the refrigerator. So this passage is saying here is that there is a, there is a race that is set before us and it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be a fight and it's going to be agony. And so the only way that we can approach this is to come at it with endurance, to run 
the long term in that. And so we're going to dig into this passage today. And, and this passage is really for all of us. But if you're a person who is just tired, like, like you're tired of running the race, like you feel wearied by running the race, then this is for you. Maybe you're a person who hasn't um, really given it the effort that it's supposed to be. This is for you. Maybe you're a person who's been sitting on the sidelines cheering other people on and you yourself haven't gotten the race. This is for you. There's all different aspects that this passage applies to you. And so we're going to talk about running long distance and my experience with running long distance. And um, we are going to give you uh, three keys to running with endurance. And hopefully at the end of this, um, we can take these tips and we can apply them to our life. So that way, um, when we get to the end of our life, decades from now, we can look back and say the very same thing that Paul said, where he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's our goal. Okay? So we're going to get into this passage. Three keys to running with endurance. We're going to do it a little bit different. Normally, we go from the top down on the passages. Uh, today, we're going to actually go from the bottom up. Okay? So I'm, I'm switching up on you. I just got to keep you on your feet. Okay? Three keys to running with endurance. Let's get into it. First key is to keep your eye on the guide. Keep your eye on the guide. So again, in cross country, uh, they would take us out in the middle of nowhere and just send us into the woods. And uh, the problem with this is that the course isn't super clearly marked on where to go. Like you're just making left turn, right turn, up, down, all these different things. And they do the best that they can. Like they'll put up markers and signs to make sure that you're going the right way. But the one thing they do to ensure that you run the course correctly is they'll put a guide out in front of the pack usually it's a four-wheeler, um, will guide you through the pack and it will make sure that you're running the course properly. And this passage in Hebrews gives us a very similar guide to follow in this race that's set before us. So pull back up uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the second part of it. It says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Here's the guide. Keeping our eyes on Jesus the source and perfecter of our faith, for the, Lord, or for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this guide for our race is Jesus himself, and, and he's the one that we're supposed to keep our eye on. And we need that because if these past two years have taught us anything, is that life gets a little crazy, life gets a little messy, and it's not always easy to know what to do. Like, like, the course isn't always very clearly marked out. And, and the only way to ensure that you're going on the right course is to just keep your eyes locked on Jesus, who is guiding you through this thing, right? Um, now, in a long-distance race, again, we're not talking about 100 meters. We're talking about a long-distance race, years and years and years of your life. What easily can happen here is your focus can start to drift, you can uh, very easily, over the course of the years, your focus will start to drift off of Jesus and on to something else or someone else. And when that happens, it's slowly but surely going to start to pull you on a different path. And all of a sudden, you're no longer running the race that's set before you. You're running some other race. This happened to me. Uh, this past week, so me, uh, my wife, and my daughter uh, went over to Chick-fil-A in Hudson Oaks. And so if y'all have been, ever been over there. Um, so we were at the Chick-fil-A in Hudson Oaks, and we were leaving, and it was, it was like nighttime. 
And we're coming out, and if you know that area, you come out of the Chick-fil-A, and then there's this like four-way intersection to get back on the main highway. Well, um, I was driving, and we were getting in the left-hand turn lane to get back on that major highway, and uh, me and my wife were talking, and you know how like when you're driving, you just kind of go into autopilot mode, and you just kind of like start driving? Anyone? Anyone? Cool. Okay. All right. Just me. All right. So um, I just kind of went into autopilot mode, and uh, I was talking to my wife and stopped paying attention. And the light turned green, and I started following the truck out in front of me. Well, what the truck in front of me did was he actually kind of, he, he took the turn a little bit too sharp, and instead of going into our proper lane, he went into the oncoming traffic lane. You know what I did? I just followed him right into the oncoming traffic. And about, about halfway through the turn, I, sat there, I, I stopped talking to Randy. I was like, this doesn't seem right. And... And sure enough, we, we get in that lane and there's just cars coming this way. And so I have to stop in the middle of the intersection and put the car in the reverse and pull myself out and get back into the proper lane. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't because I didn't know the turn was there. Trust me, we've been to that Chick-fil-A dozens and dozens of times. We keep that business in, we keep that uh, Chick-fil-A in business on us alone. We eat there so much. I know that turn What happened was, it's not that I didn't know that turn, it's that my focus drifted and all of a sudden I just started following the person in front of me rather than making the moves that I need to move. And that can happen the exact same way in our life as well. You can be following Jesus and then before you know it, your focus starts to drift and you start to follow something or someone else And the Bible tells us that there's a lot of paths out there. There's a lot of ways out there. But any way that is not God's way is ultimately going to lead to death and destruction. Proverbs 14.12 says this. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And so what that's getting at is, is there's a lot of people in this world, there's a lot of things in this world that's vying for your attention and telling you to come say, hey, come look at me. I've got the way to peace. I've got the way to happiness. I've got the way to joy. Just come follow this path and it's going to take you there. And what I think Jesus would say, impaired with this, he would say, that's the wide path that leads to destruction but narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. And so um, there's lots of people who are going to tell you they know the way to joy, life, peace, happiness, but that way will ultimately end in death. It's going to pull you into oncoming traffic. But the Bible calls us to keep our eyes on and to follow Jesus. And it actually tells us why. So let's pull back up that verse 12. uh, Chapter 12, verse 1, let's run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, and here's the reason, the source and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And what I think this passage is trying to get at is that Jesus is the designer and the author of this course that you're running. He is the source and the perfecter of your faith. And not only that, but he's, I think he's trying to remind us that Jesus ran this very same course that you're running. He says that uh, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's one of the main points that Hebrews is trying to get 
across in, in the whole book of Hebrews, he's trying to remind us that, that we have a high priest um, who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Like, like we don't have a far off distant God who has no clue what you're going through. We have a God who stepped down in the flesh, who uh, was tempted with the same temptations that we are, who felt the same effects of sin that we did, yet he succeeded, endured the cross, and resurrected, and is now at the right hand of God. If you want to follow a guide, wouldn't you pick a guide who not only created the course, but who has ran the course? That's what it's telling us to do. It's saying, keep our eyes on Jesus because he's the only one that truly knows the way. All these other people, all these other things are just guessing. Like students, like there's on the TikToks, um, there's lots of different things that they're going to tell you what to do. Man, they don't know. Gosh, they don't know. So that's the first key to running with endurance. Keep your eye on the guide, Jesus. Second key to running with endurance is to shed unnecessary weight. So keep your eye on the guide and to shed unnecessary weight. Uh, so if you've ever been to a track meet, you know that they give them like inappropriately small clothing, right? <laughs> like, like they give you these like super light tank top shirts and they give these guys these shorts that are way too short for guys. Um, and the whole purpose of that is to make um, their clothing as light as possible because they know that every extra ounce of weight that, that you place on someone that's not necessary is just going to weigh them down and slow them down in the race. In fact, they did a study on this and they found that for every pound lost, the runners would take an average of 2.4 seconds off of each mile that they ran, which 2.4 seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're in a competition, every millisecond counts. And so people in these competitions know that if they're going to take this seriously, they're going to shed as much unnecessary weight as they need to in order to compete in that and the writer of Hebrews knows this, which is why he says this uh, in uh, chapter 12, verse 1, a little bit earlier. It says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So the word hindrance right there um, in the Greek is the word onkos. And this word uh, literally translates to um, a bulk of mass. And so uh, it, it's like a... <laughs> Obviously, whoever is writing this, we, we don't for sure know who the writer of Hebrews is, but whoever's writing this knows racing very well. And he's, he's communicating that, that there are things in your life that are weighing you down. And just like a good runner does, you need to get those things off of you. You need to shed those things off of you because, again, every single ounce of weight that you have is going to slow you down and hinder your ability to run in the race. If you're going to run the long haul, then you need to look at taking those things off. So like if you um, watch like sporting events and you watch the warm up beforehand, they're usually like wearing sweats and like normal clothes and stuff like that and, and warming up. But then when it comes time for the actual event to start, what do they do? They tuck all those things off. They shed whatever uh, weight is unnecessary to then compete in uh, the event, and the same thing is for us, is that, that we uh, have been carrying the baggage and the weight of sin in our life, but once you've placed your faith in Christ, he's calling you out of that and calling you to shed it because you don't need it anymore. Now, at this point, you might be saying to yourself, 
like my sin isn't that big of a deal. Like I've been living decades with it. Like there's other sins that are worse than mine. Why do I need to worry about this? Do I really need to focus on removing the sin from my life? And to that, I would just ask the question is like, why do you want to keep that sin around? Whether that sin is huge or little, sin um, is anything that is dishonoring God and disobeying God. And we've been called out of that. So why would we entertain leaving that around? Like, that's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of Christ redeeming us is that he's liberating us out of the slavery of sin. So how, on one hand, can you be freed and liberated from sin, yet on the other hand, want to be enslaved to sin? It doesn't work. And it says so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says this, it says, For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So if this verse rings true, it's that God has freed you from your sin, and you have no use for it anymore. You need to just get it out of your life. And, and you may say to yourself, well, like, my sin is harmless. It's probably not harmless. Every sin has a cost. And when it says these things, like, like don't submit against the yoke of slavery, it's not saying, like, um, I, I want to ruin your fun. It's not saying I want to steal your joy. It's not saying I want to place a bunch of rules on you. It's God saying, hey, I designed this course, and if you keep heading that way, you're going to fall into pitfalls. This is not the way to it. This is a, a thing of like, don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't submit again to sin because that's not the way to life. This is the way to life. That's what God is calling us to. And it says as much back in our passage in Hebrews 12.1, where it says, let's lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And so if you don't know what a snare is, a snare is like a trap that you lay out, particularly for animals. And the whole point of the snare is it's a trap that you don't see until it's too late. And it catches you. And that's exactly how sin operates in our life. Sin in our life is a trap, a minefield on our course. And the more we keep it around, the more we're just setting up traps for us to ultimately get caught in. And again, you may say to yourself, Chris, I've been living with this sin for decades of my life. It's harmless. It's not. It's not harmless. To the, the things you think about, to the words you say, to the thoughts that you entertain, sin has a cost. Uh, like one example, um, pornography. So with pornography, um, you may say to yourself, and people do, uh, that, hey, what I choose to view in the privacy of my own home by myself has no bearing on anyone else and it's harmless, not going to do anything, which, by the way, that's it, a joke. It, it just is. Like, countless studies have been done that show that people who chronically view pornography have higher rates of depression and anxiety, lifelong addictions equal to that of drugs, and um, contributes to the worldwide epidemic of human sex trafficking. But even all those things aside, pornography is ruining your marriage. They did a study in 2016, and it showed that men who view pornography in marriage doubled the chance of their marriage ending in divorce. They found that for women, it tripled the chance of divorce. It's not harmless. It's doing something. And sin has a cost. And the more you entertain sin, the more it's going to build up the cost in your life.
So while sin seems harmless in our lives, it's weighing us down and it's tripping us up. Uh, a good example of this uh, is this past year, um, something happened at the cyclist competition, the Tour de France. I don't know if y'all remember this. Um, so the Tour de France is one of the biggest cyclist competitions. And this year, uh, this past year when they did it, they had one of the largest pileups in the history of the event. Here's a quick picture of it. Yes. Do you know what happened? Do y'all remember seeing this story? Here's what happened. The question is, what's going to happen? How many people are going to get back up? Right, that what sign right there, Phil. Left of your picture? Oh, my, oh, my goodness me. Oh, it was the sign that the rider in front hit. And that is the result. It was a sign. It wasn't even anything important. It was a person standing there. You, did you see it on their face? They were like smiling for the camera, trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. And boom, clipped one of the contestants and sparked a huge pile up. This is how sin operates in our lives. Sin is like, hey, I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to have fun. I'm here for my 15 minutes of fame. But what you don't realize is while sin is trying to have a good time, it's laying traps out the road and it's only a matter of time before you're going to clip it and you're going to cause a massive pileup in your life. And it's going to greatly slow down your race, if not cause you to exit the race altogether. We need to be diligent and serious about dealing with the sin in our life because if you are going to take serious the call to run this race well with endurance, the only way you can do that is by shedding this sin in your life. Whether you think it's harmless or not, you need to shed sin from your life. So that's the second key to uh, running with endurance is to shed unnecessary weight. Uh, the third key to running with endurance is to surround yourself with people who will cheer you on. Surround yourself with people who will cheer you on. So uh, throughout the course of a cross-country meet, you would spend, um, you'd spend three miles you know, running through the woods and stuff. And, and while you're in the woods running, you're just kind of alone. And lots of people ran it faster, but for me, that would be about 20 minutes just alone in my own thoughts. And, and one of the most amazing things would happen every single uh, meet. Um, you'd be running in agony, the Greek's word, not my word. Um, you'd be running in agony um, through this course. And at the very end, usually like a light would appear and you would come out of these woods. And uh, as soon as you came out of these woods, all of a sudden you could see this finish line at the edge. And there's just dozens of people surrounding this finish line yelling and cheering. Like these are like your family and your friends and your coaches and other people who have uh, completed the course, which by the way, for me, there was a bunch of people who had completed the course um, uh, just looking on and cheering me on with their pity. But, um, but something would happen every single meet. Like I would just be so tired. I've given everything that I have. And then as soon as I get to that last stretch and I hear the cheers of these people, all of a sudden my adrenaline would kick up and I can all of a sudden push myself further than I thought I ever could and push through that finish line. And this passage tells us that that's exactly what we have in our life. Uh, the first um, verse of Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, 
Now, if you know the book of Hebrews well, this large cloud of witnesses that he's talking about is the previous chapter. He went through every major figure in the Old Testament and talked about how um, they lived their life by faith and how God was faithful to fulfill his promises in their life. Like they went through each one, like like Abraham, Noah, uh, Moses, uh, Ruth, like all these people went through them. Uh, All these people who have run the race before you and who have ran the race well and completed, all these people we are surrounded by and they are cheering us on and we need that. Like we need people who have completed the race who can, who can uh, say to us, hey, the race is worth running. God is faithful. Don't give up. It's worth running. Keep going. That's what we need and that's what we have. But unfortunately, a lot of times we don't look to that. We, we isolate ourselves and we kind of go internally and we start asking ourselves like, is God even good? Is this race even worth it? Is God even there? Like, is my time better spent sitting at home on the couch with a can of Pringles watching The Office? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Michael, those are your students, right? <laughs> this passage is saying... <laughs> What was I talking about? This passage is saying that we have a a cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on saying, yes, in the midst of those moments, in the midst of the darkest time when you feel like you can't do it anymore, this is a race worth running. The sacrifice is worth making. The struggle is worth having because on the other side of that, you are standing before God forgiven and saved. That's what we need in our life. That's what we need to point to. We need to look to the people who are cheering us on. And, and this is why just about every single program that's hard is done in groups, like, like weight loss programs, workout programs, um, addiction programs, financial programs. All of these are done in groups because studies tell us that people have higher success rates when they operate in groups because um, each of them can cheer each other on, spur each other on, encourage each other on, and challenge them in the midst of the struggle in that. So if you want to run with endurance, you need to surround yourself with people who can speak life into you, who can encourage you through these things. You need people like Abraham, who God called and said, hey, I'm going to build you into a mighty nation. And your wife, who is barren, is going to have a child. And Abraham can tell you, guess what happened? She didn't. We need people like Noah who God called him and said, hey, I want you to build an ark because um, a giant flood is going to come flood the earth and and I'm saving you in this. And then Noah can look at you and say, that happened. We need people like Moses who God called and said, hey, I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to use you to liberate the Israelites out of Egypt who've been in slavery for 400 years. And Moses can turn to you and say, he did. We need people who can look at us and say, this race is worth running. This fight is worth having because God is faithful. And on the other side, he will reward you. Church, this race is worth running because on the other side of this, we get to stand before God forgiven and justified of all of our sins. And by the way, it's not because of anything that we did. It's because everything that God did. That, that's the whole point of the chapter previous to this is that these people weren't amazing because of what they did. They were amazing because they placed their faith in God. And that's where the analogy of the race kind of falls apart here because usually in a race, um, you compete to win a prize. 
right? It's like, like in, in a race, you, you would think in this lingo, it's like, I need to run to therefore gain God's affection and grace in my life. But that's not how this race works. This race works is you have already been given the grace of God in your life. Therefore, you run. You don't run to get anything from God. You run because you've been given everything from God. And we don't follow Jesus because some guy told us to. We follow him because we trust him with our life and we know that he's calling us saying that there's a better way. There's a better path. Here's how I designed for you to be. Here's how I created for you to be. Follow me. Come this way. That's why we run this race. And so as we leave here today, my prayer is that we run this race with endurance that he has set before us that we keep our eyes on Jesus as our God, that we shed the sin in our life that hinders and ensnares us, that we surround ourselves with people who have completed this race before who are able to cheer us on. I pray that we run with endurance. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, that you love us and that you care for us. And God, that you give us this passage not as a hammer to ruin our joy, but as a gift to call us to you. God, that there's lots of things in this world who are trying to pull our attention off of you, claiming to have life, claiming to have joy, but they don't. And so God, I just pray that you just work on our hearts in this moment that you would remind us that you are the source and the perfecter of our faith and that you are worthy to be followed. I pray, Lord, that you convict us in this moment of sin that we maybe have just let go on for too long, however big or however small. God, I pray that you would encourage us in this moment for people who are tired, who have been running this race well, but they're just tired. God, I pray that you would give us rest and encouragement in this time, that we be reminded of your faithfulness in this time. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. We're going to move into a time of invitation, and this time is really just time for you. Uh, whatever God is calling you to do, we just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Maybe that's praying in your seat. Maybe that's coming up here and praying at the altar. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you're a person who says that I've never placed my eyes on Jesus. I've never placed my faith in him. I've never received this grace of God and I want to receive it. Man, we'd love to walk you through that. We'd love to tell you more about that. Maybe you are saying to yourself like, man, I've been running this race for a long time, but I need people to surround me and cheer me on in this race. And I want to make this place my church home. Man, come up here. We'd love to chat with you about that. We'd love to have you here. Whatever God is calling you to do, this is the time for you to do it. Can we all stand together? We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And during this time, whatever God is calling you to do, we just encourage you to do it.